Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, verses 21 through 24. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. Burkett Notes Observe here, 1. The person who came to Christ on behalf of his sick daughter. He's described by his name, Jairus, by his office, a ruler of the synagogue. By his gesture, he fell down at Jesus' feet and worshipped him. This gesture of his was not only a sign of tender affection in him towards his daughter, but also evidence of his faith in our blessed Savior. Yet his confining Christ's power to his bodily presence and to the touch of his hand was a token of the weakness of his faith. Come, he says, and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live, as if Christ could not have cured her without either coming to her or laying his hand upon her. Note, all that come to Christ are not alike strong in faith. Yet our beloved Redeemer refuses none who come to him with a sincere faith, though in much weakness of faith. Observe, too, how readily our Savior complies with Jairus's request. Jesus went with him. Although his faith was but weak, yet our Savior doth not reject him or deny his suit, but readily goes with him. Learn, hence, how ready we should be to go to Christ in all our distresses, afflictions, and necessities, who is so ready to hear and so forward to help us if we seek him in sincerity, though our faith be feeble. Observe 3. The great humility of our blessed Savior in suffering himself to be thronged by poor people. Much people followed him and thronged him. O humble and lowly Savior, how free was thine conversation from pride and haughtiness, how willing to converse with the meanest of the people for their advantage. Our Lord did not only suffer them to come near him, but even to throng him. What an example is here for the greatest persons upon earth to imitate and follow, not to despise the persons, nor to disdain the presence of the meanest and poorest of the people, but to look upon some with an eye of favor, upon others with an eye of pity, upon none with an eye of contempt. Verses 25 through 34. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about him in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what she'd done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thy whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. Burkett Notes As our Savior was on his way to Jairus's house, a diseased woman comes up behind him, touches his clothes, and is presently healed. The virtue lay not in her finger, but in her faith, or rather in Christ, which her faith instrumentally drew forth. 
Observe here, one, the diseased person, a woman with a bloody flux. Let women here take notice of the miseries of the sin of the first woman has brought upon all women, amongst which this is one, that it has made their bodies subject to unnatural issues and fluxes of blood. Observe, too, the long continuance of this disease, twelve years. It pleases God to lay long and tedious afflictions upon some of his children in this life, and particularly to keep some of them a very long time under bodily weakness, to manifest his power in supporting them, and to magnify his mercy in delivering them. Observe 3. This poor woman was found in the use of means. She sought to physicians for help, and is not blamed for it, though she spent all she had upon them. The use of physics is not to be neglected by us in times of sickness, especially in dangerous diseases of the body. To trust to means is to neglect God, and to neglect the means is to tempt God. The health of our bodies ought to be dear and precious to us, and all lawful means to be used, both to preserve it, to recover it, and confirm it. Observe 4. The workings and actings of this poor woman's faith. Her disease was unclean by ceremonial law, and therefore to be separate from society. Accordingly, she is ashamed to appear before Christ, but comes behind him to touch his clothes being firmly persuaded that Christ had a power communicated by God unto him miraculously to cure incurable diseases. And see how our Savior encouraged her faith. Though she did not believe him to be the eternal Son of God, but one to whom God had communicated a power of healing bodily diseases, yet Christ says, This thy faith has made thee whole. Learn hence that faith oftentimes meets with a better welcome from Christ than it did or could expect. This poor woman came to Christ trembling, but went away triumphing. Observe 5. Christ would have this miracle discovered. He therefore says, Who touched me? And I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. First, in reference to himself, to manifest his divine power, that by the touch of his clothes he could cure such incurable diseases. Secondly, in relation to the woman, that she might have an opportunity to give God the praise and glory for the cure. And thirdly, with respect to Jarius, that his faith might be strengthened in the belief of Christ's power to raise his daughter. Now from those words, virtue went out of Christ, and he healed them. It's evident that the virtue which did these miraculous cures resided in Christ, and was not communicated to him, and consequently proves him to be God. For the divine virtue by which the prophets and apostles did their cures is ascribed to God, as Acts 19.11. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. But the miracles done by Christ are ascribed to the divine virtue dwelling in him. Accordingly, here he says, I perceive virtue is gone out of me. Verses 35 through 43. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. 
And he took the damsel by the hand, and he said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Burkett notes, Observe here, one, the doleful news brought to Jarius's ear, Thy daughter is dead. The Lord doth sometimes suffer the faith of his saints to be hard put to it, greatly assaulted with difficulties and trials. Observe, too, our Savior's seasonable word of comfort. Be not afraid, only believe. Christ is ready to comfort believers in the hour of their strongest temptations and greatest trials. Observe, three, Christ's application of himself to the raising unto life of Jairus' dead daughter, in order to which, one, he goes into the house only with the three of his disciples, which were sufficient to witness the truth of the miracle, our Savior to avoid all show of vainglory, and to evidence that he sought not ambitiously his own honor and praise, would not work this great miracle publicly before all the people. Two, he rebukes them for the show they make of immoderate grief and sorrow for the dead damsel. They weep and wailed greatly, with minstrels and musical instruments, according to the custom of the heathens, who by a mournful sort of music did stir up the passions of grief at their funerals. To mourn immoderately for the dead is a heathenish practice and custom. It's hurtful to the living and dishonorable to the dead, nor is it an argument of more love, but an evidence of less grace. 3. He adds a reason for this rebuke and reproof given them. The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. She is dead to you, but asleep to me, not so dead as to be beyond my power to raise her to life. Souls departed are under the conduct of angels to their several regions of bliss or misery. It's very probable that the soul of this damsel was under the guard of angels, near her dead body, waiting the pleasure of God in order to its disposal either to restore it again to the body or to translate it to its eternal mansion. Observe farther the nature of death in general, and that of the saints in particular described it is a sleep. Sleep is a state of rest. Sleep is a sudden surprisal. In sleep there is an insensible passage of our time. The person sleeping shall certainly awake, either in this world or in the next. It will be our wisdom to prepare for the bed of the grave, and so to live that when we lie down in it, there may be nothing to disturb our rest. Observe next the words which our Savior used at the raising of the damsel, Talitha kumi, Syriac words, to show the truth of the miracle, not like a conjurer muttering a charm and unknown words to himself, and also to show the greatness of the miracle that he was able to raise her by a word speaking. Observe lastly the charge given by our Savior not to divulge this miracle. He charged them straightly that none should know it. That is, not to divulge it imprudently to such of the scribes and Pharisees as would not be convinced by it, but only cavil at it, and be the more enraged against him, and seek his death before his time was come. Also, not to divulge it unseasonably, and all at once, but gradually and by degree. For it was the will of God that the divine glory of Christ should not be manifested to the world all at once, and on the sudden, but little by little during the state of his humiliation for his resurrection was the time appointed for the full manifestation of his Godhead. Romans 1.4 Declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead.